It's the sick show with Marcy. Marcy's been sick for 13 days. Yeah. And counting. <coughs> and counting. You poor baby. I know. It's just this never-ending saga of rotating cough, congestion, sore throat, and my sleep schedule is so whack, and I'm around sick people all day, so it's probably not even the same thing. I've probably, like, gotten another thing on top of what I originally had now, you know? You have a Frankenstein sickness at the moment, I think. It's just dumb, and I want it to be over. But that's, 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 what, ah, what you guys didn't hear is the dead silence where I muted myself because I was coughing. Anyways, um, welcome to the show. Start us off, Gray. to the show. Hi, I'm Gray. And I'm Marcy. And I'm a writer. And I'm a reader. And this is... Bookends, a literary podcast. Where we talk about... Books. 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 Wait, let's harmonize. Let's harmonize. Oh, okay. Books. Bo- oh, you didn't go for a And then you can, no, you can just edit that on top. You could just put in post. It's fine. <laughs> do it in post. It's okay. cool. It's a lot more work in post than it is due right now, but that's fine. But that's okay. <laughs> it's about the podcast uh, magic. How are you? I'm, I'm okay. I go back to school really soon. I'm excited to go back to school, which is not something I usually say, but my break was um, unreasonably long. So, and I have some fun classes. I'm taking a short story writing class, which I'm excited about. I'm also taking a class called Plants! Exclamation mark. And I think I did say plas before I said plants. So You did say plas. That's fun. I'm taking a class called Cants. Uh, no. And I'm not excited to wake up at nine in the morning um, three times a week for that, but I am excited to get my science credit out of the way. So there's that. We have opposite things. You're just all science credits. Oh, yeah. No, I was just all science credits. I will say, though, um, because I was a biology major, there was one science class I took that was like, this is for bio majors only. And it was, I think it was intro to bio two. Everyone else had to take intro to bio one. Only bio majors had to take intro to bio two. And so this was the class that the school had that justified it being a bio major instead of being a pre-med major. (laughs) And we literally spent like a whole semester memorizing the life cycles of fungus, fungus, fungi, fungus. I don't know. I'm really, I'm, uh, there's so many cold medications in my body right now, but we spent like a whole semester memorizing like the life cycles of fungi and like how plants reproduce and like it was just so much and i just realized how much i hate learning about plants i hate it so much they're oh my god so, we can i mean like from an objective standpoint plants are cool because they looked at evolution in the face and they said you don't own me and they just do what they want and it's amazing but they're also so boring and oh i don't envy you that gives me a lot of hope for the semester but it's okay because by the end of it i'll be able to talk about how boring plants are with you and agree with the opinion or maybe i won't maybe my new thing is i will become a plant farmer i think that's just a farmer i'll you could I'll become be a, a farmer plant person of animals although i guess that's maybe more of a rancher is, yeah <laughs> hey is there a difference between someone who's like a rancher and like just a farmer are those different 100 percent, there's a difference zero percent could i articulate what it is okay that's fair you know what i mean i think i think a fair. ranch is cattle restricted isn't it mm, i know that like a ranch is a thing like, it's a specific, like, but I guess a farm is also a specific thing. 
I don't know. Is anyway. a ranch a type of farm? Mm, hey. Is this a square V rhombus situation? Square V rectangle? No. Square yeah. square V rhombus. A rectangle, or rectangle is they a, both work. Yeah. 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 That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. Something like I that. I understand. I don't know. Y'all I don't know the answer. I that. took some Usinex today. I already told Gray about this, but I had like a pretty important interview today. And I didn't realize before taking the Mucinex that, and I've taken Mucinex before, I didn't realize that it could make your heart rate jump for no reason. So that in the middle of like one of the most important like hours of your life in terms of determining your future, you're going to get dizzy and short of breath and not be able to focus. And that's just where I'm sitting right now. So I just, I apologize to, to everyone for the all of me today. It's been a weird day for you, but that's okay. It's all right. It's fine. Um, what are what are we talking about today besides the state of my sinuses? Um, we are talking a little bit about farmers eventually, but because it's slightly in the book that we read. However, before we get into that, we're going to do a trope watch mini. I don't think I'm going to keep calling it trope watch because that feels lazy. I'm going to think of a better name eventually, but for now it's still called that. And so for this week, I'm going to be talking to you about love triangles. That's upsettingly appropriate. Exactly. I really struggled coming up with a segment for this week's theme because the theme is books with real people on the cover, but like there shouldn't be real people on the cover. And that was kind of difficult to make anything of. So I just thought about the book that we read. And boy, howdy, sure is about a love triangle. And I did a little bit of research on them. And I'm going to share with you some of the like defining features of a love triangle. I'm sure we've all heard of them before. I'm sure we've all read one. It was obviously in Twilight. It was obviously in The Hunger Games. You, if you know anything about like pop culture, you've heard of a love triangle. But there are some overarching themes and like motifs that you might not have been aware of that I'm going to make you aware of now. So let's get into it. This is where funky music will go. So. First of all, a love triangle is not an apt name for what it actually is, because when we say love triangle, what we're talking about is there's character A, character B, and character C. Character B and C both like character A. If it was actually a triangle, B and C would also like each other. But like if we're just talking about it geometrically, but that's neither here nor there, we call it a love triangle. Usually when so this a happens, true love triangle would have to involve some sort of bisexual or homosexual component. It would. And I actually read a book that was like that recently called Odd One Out, and it was cool. However, it's not at all common. Um, and also like ending in polyamory, which the book didn't, but like, oops, spoiler. But like, um, if that were we to happen, we knew it that wasn't going to end in polyamory, though. Yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a YA about like some 15 year olds. It's okay. Anyway, but um, by Nick Stone. Anyway, um, oh my God, I lost my train of thought. To be a true love triangle, it would have to be like a either bisexual situation or homosexual if they're all the same gender um, or end in polyamory. But te- so technically we're talking about a love V, but that's a bad name. So we call it a love triangle. Anyway, <laughs> I love that. It is extremely common in like dramas, soap operas, um, long running TV shows, paranormal romance and paranormal um or not paranormal fantasy romance. Um, I would argue because we live in a post-Twilight world, that is why it's particularly common in paranormal romance. Everything comes back to Twilight. 
I've said it once. I'll say it a million times. I think it's the overarching theme of all of our episodes is at the end of the day, none of us can escape the reaches of Twilight. We really can escape the reaches of Twilight. And, you know, I think we should just come to accept that instead of just like sort of fest- let it festering. I think we should all approach Twilight and be like, yeah. hey, you've affected the scope of YA in a lot of ways. Let's stop bashing Twilight and accept it for the cultural not icon. What's the word I'm looking for? It, it means like big thing. Mm, cornerstone no mm -mm. when i the word i'm looking for in my mind makes me picture a giant huh hmm okay you keep talking i'm gonna try and find this word what's the name of that dude that he's green he's big and he's green the hulk (laughs) (laughs) i didn't mean him but that is exactly what i just described isn't it i meant that dude he's a giant he's like he's literally a giant and he wears the funny pants and he's on like (laughs) apple fruit things giant oh is he called is that what he's called (laughs) i guess i did mean the green giant giant in that case yeah i was yeah (laughs) twilight is the green beans of is the green beans giant of ya so (laughs) i said what i said it's my hot take of the day um anyway i think i think twilight is bad however i think it was very influential anyway that's not a new take anyway so love triangles. Usually in YA, it's one girl and two guys. This doesn't always happen, but like that's the standard. Um, most often, one of the guys is a long-term friend and the other one is a new person, which you do see in Twilight, which I didn't realize until I had to watch the movies this summer because I never knew anything about what actually happened in it until the summer when my friends made me watch it, which I just think is funny that I went so much of my life not knowing anything. Anyway, um. Most like more often than not, the two love interests uh, either don't know each other or they actively dislike each other. Um, it can be that they were friends. My before personal and... favorite is when they actively dislike each other. Yes, there's that rivalry between them. Um, sometimes it's that they were friends before, and then the like girl or whoever love interest made them like they're vying for her affection, so they're like, I don't like you. Um, sometimes it's that they just don't know of each other. It's it can depend, but most often there's a rivalry. Uh, mostly, mostly, sure. Usually, the main girl picks who she loves based on, like, who's most virtuous and who she thinks will treat her best. Um, And usually, like, going along with that, one of the characters will be, like, the sort of nice guy, door next next door, oh my god, guy next door sort of person. And the other one will be more dangerous and, like, mysterious and, like, alluring. And a lot of times, it will turn out that the nice guy actually has a flaw that makes him the least appealing of the two which i think is interesting um and i didn't realize that but like if you look at them that's that's true of a lot of them um often the main girl would choose who she loves um and the final point of that triangle will be written off either they come to terms with their feelings they fall in love with someone else or they just straight up die which you know i mean hey you gotta do what you gotta do and what, what I found the most interesting doing this research is that I had I saw some people saying that like when it comes to female characters, female main characters who ha- are in these love triangles, the love triangle isn't just about the romance, but it's also about warring points of views and choosing a new lifestyle. Mm. So here's here's a yes. quote from The mm. Tempest. Love. And I will. In- yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I'll, I'll include a link to this um, article that I'm about to quote from in the blog post. But the quote says. Gatnet, oh, ooh, already made a mistake. 
Katniss and Bella when deciding on Peeta and Edward, respectfully. Respect. Oh, I'm having a stroke today. Katniss and Bella, when deciding on Peeta and Edward, have chosen how they will live their life for the foreseeable future. For Katniss, from a literary point of view, Gale symbolizes the new government, and Peeta is life under the radar outside of politics. Bella has to become an immortal vampire to, in order to be with Edward. So in both of these situations, it's not just about which partner is the best, but about which lifestyle they're willing to lead. And I think that's very interesting. And I mean, a lot of times it is used in like, Twilight is not a great example. Um, but I feel like a lot of times an effort is made for it to be kind of a symbolism of like the warring poles of femininity, like what is expected of women versus what women want and women's autonomy. Um even if it's not that sophisticated of a plot, that's kind of like what the heart of it is, right? Like, you yeah, know I, I mean? read a lot of, um, I 100%, I read a lot of articles that were talking about what makes a good love triangle. And one of the points that I saw over and over again was like, it's not just that these characters are both appealing, it's that they specifically represent something and those things have to be opposing, which I go back and forth on. So with the Hunger Games, I love the Hunger Games, obviously. Um, I don't remember a whole lot about it now, but I remember really liking it because I read it when it like was in its heyday. And I I go back and forth between really liking the love triangle in like what it symbolizes, that whole thing about Gail symbolizing the new world that they have, and like Gail and Peta have very different ways of going about their rebellion, right? Like they represent yeah, I mean, that's different political why ideas. Why she ultimately chooses Peta in the end? Yes, one hundred percent. But which which I like when I think about it. I'm like that that's really interesting. But I also read in one of the like while I was doing research, I read that her editor, like Suzanne Collins' editor, actually was the one to suggest Gail being a love interest in the second book. Because when you think about the first book, the thing about her relationship with Peta is that it's a critique about the way like like they have to pretend to be in love just to survive this because that's what the people want is entertainment, right? And that's a critique of entertainment and of society yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So there's not a love triangle in the first book. It's only in the second one that Gail is introduced as a character that could potentially potentially be a romantic interest. And it was her editor who suggested that she amp that up because Collins was so much more interested in just telling a war story, which I think she did it well. Like if I think about how it played out, I think she did that well. But I also have mixed feelings about the fact that she was told to make it. You know so what I mean? I have a lot of feelings about, um, and these are feelings to... Let's lay it out here. Have not read The Hunger Games in years. Haven't seen the movies in years. These are things that I thought years ago, and they still burn yeah. like embers somewhere in the back of my I brain. Have, and every now and again, I have not you watched blow a little movies. air on them, and they flare up. And like, oh, I had this feeling. And the feeling is that there is an inherent irony to the success of The Hunger Games in that it is a thing that we consume and we enjoy watching this media portrayal of um, suffering for the sake of entertainment. And yep. that I always felt that the romance in the Hunger Games was an extension of that and that it was a little bit like meta irony that we, the populace consuming, who the capital is representing in the Hunger Games, are falling for this thing that she put in there kind of obviously just to be a thing so that the books would sell to the populace. You know, it's a, it's a cyclical mm -hmm. thing, I always thought. Yeah. It just, and I have a hard time articulating it. Do you know what I'm getting at, though? I do. It is very meta. And it is, it's, it's, I, I really like the Hunger Games. Like you, I haven't read it in a long time. And I never, 
I think I just watched the first movie, so I I don't. This is all coming from just book knowledge, but um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. But do you know? Did you know she made a prequel book that's coming out soon? No, I did not. Yeah, it's like about one of the earlier games. Anyways, that's not entirely related, but yeah, there's there's definitely meta going on with um the way that like the the love triangle is used, it's at, in a marketing sense. Um, that's kind of funny and horrible and interesting, but. All that to say, I liked, I did like the use of the love triangle in Hunger Games, which I say because I've realized, like, I think in last episode or the last couple, at some points I've been like, I don't really have any opinions on love triangles. And I don't, I, I think I have opinions, but I think they're conflicting opinions because I don't think I like them, but, okay, you know, like not, not in a, like, you can't enjoy them kind of way, but I think I empathize with the with the people hold on sorry about that i empathize with the people that like you said that you were seeing blogs that were dedicated to not having love triangles and i think i i empathize with the people that are sick of them because i wasn't an avid reader when they were really like at their height because you don't see them as much anymore but i've read them recently in some books just like coincidentally like it wasn't the main plot because it's different i feel like it's different for me like if the whole point of it is that it's a love triangle, those exist, and it's like the heart of the story and it makes sense. But if they're just sort of there, I find them superfluous most of the time. And some otherwise extremely enjoyable books, I've been like, I'm not intrigued by this part and I'm just sort of skipping over it. Like I'm reading it, but I'm like, can this chapter be over yet? Kind of thing. And I don't know why I don't like them necessarily. Like I haven't fully unpacked what my feelings are other than that. I find the sort of normativity of them disheartening, but... You're tired. You're tired of I, it. Yeah, I guess You've it's just... been worn down by the love triangle. I've been... Like like the ocean beating against some rocks, I've been worn down, carving out a, a, the Grand Canyon or whatever it is that happened. Did Do you think the Grand Canyon was carved by the ocean? No, I was going to say waves, and then I said the ocean, and then I was hoping you wouldn't notice that I messed up for that metaphor, and then you did, so... I just want you to so. know I'm cackle laughing, but it's becoming a cough, and so I just had to mute all of it. Oh, oh no, you are so sick. So, anyway, I I'm tired by love triangles, but I don't I don't think that means they should be gone forever, or that they're not like like you shouldn't enjoy them necessarily. But I think that my my tiring of love triangles is also an extension of my personal sort of exhaustion with very white cis straight romances you know and it just happens that a lot of times those those sort of two things that i'm tired of tend to overlap so maybe it's just an extension of that i don't know yeah do you experience a lot of love triangles when you're reading lgbtq literature at all like is that if you're reading a romance that is queer are love triangles ever part of it in your experience or i mean i understand that you cannot speak for the entire genre but like from your survey from my survey, I've seen a few of like Odd One Out by Nick Stone is a uh, bisexual um, love triangle. Um, and then what was the other one that I recently read? This is kind of an epic love story is a little bit of a love triangle, but it, it gets resolved relatively quickly. And that one's also bisexual. But for the most part, it, it isn't a lot of like who they're going to end up with kind of thing. And, and for the most part, they're not the heart of the story if that's there. Like, odd one out that is the heart of the story. 
Um, and that one's also about like coming to terms with being bi and like understanding your identity and stuff and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but like for the most part, they're not as like intrinsic to the romance or as big of a deal, I guess, or as like, that's not the thing that makes you read it. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people will read these series with love triangles specifically because they like the intrigue of who are they going to end up with or watch the series because it's, you know, really common in um, TV shows and stuff too. But I don't know. And maybe it's also just because there's so little like queer fiction that it's like maybe if there was more, if it was as prevalent as straight fiction, there would be that many. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Sample but, bias. Yeah. So, and I mean, I liked those two that I just mentioned. I didn't love the love triangle still though. So maybe I just as a person, I'm not yeah. super prone I mean, to them. That could also be it. I do gravitate towards books with love triangles because I'm a sucker for them. So Again, post-Twilight World. Were you, you were yeah, really into I, Twilight when it was happening, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the target demographic of Twilight in the height of its moment. And I think that that's changed me. I, I am also post-Twilight as a person. <laughs> and Twilight was existing in my mind at such a formative moment that I don't think I'll ever be able to, like, not read romances and not want to love triangle a little bit because like they just i can't they did it to me i can't stephanie meyer in all of her mormon glory changed me <laughs> and here i am and here you are it's like imprinted on you Ugh. yeah unfortunately Ugh. hey remember in maximum ride when there was awkwardly that horrible love triangle in the last like two books or however many and, and everyone was like i mean i really didn't don't like i didn't him. read the last two books but i, I oh, heard no. of it yeah I don't know why I said, oh no, you that got out somehow there found their way. Yeah, I got out of Maximum Ride relatively unscathed before like the real crap hit the fan. So God, I wish that had been me. I for reference, I got out of Maximum Ride when fanfiction.net was still the premier fanfiction site. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You ever wonder how fanfiction.net's doing? Did you ever wonder? Let's go like, find hey, out. Hold on. I bet it's still online somewhere. Oh god, it's the same. Is it literally the exact same? Oh, I'm going great. through it right now. It literally looks oh, the exact God. same. Great. Uh-huh. Is it's it like same. you're 12 again? Yeah. I mean, the last Twitter update that's like on the homepage, you know, it's from April 1st, 2019. So not oh looking great. All right. Let's see here. Um, Let's go to a place I would have gone a lot. Let's go books. Let's go <gasps> they in. changed their logo, though. <laughs> oh, is that different? Yeah. It used to be this little like maze thingy. Uh, you know, like, oh my like God. it looks like a maze. Great. I'm on the maximum ride. Most recent I'll, update? Please. 21 hours ago. Oh, no. Oh, no. Sweetie, no. 17.3K <gasps> oh, no. fix of this. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ah! Oh, no. I don't want to hate on people's fan fiction because a lot of these people I recognize are probably, like, young. Um, But, man. No, no, no hate. It's just, like, no. I'm, no, it's like I just, I'm 10 again. It takes me you know? back. I like this person, I will hate on this, says triggers and language in all caps. Which triggers? I'm, I am looking at that one right now. <laughs> which which ones? Which ones? Which ones? Fan fiction user who I will not tell who the user knows? name of. No. Which triggers? Because I'm sure I like you're the 13. Ones, oh my God. Sometimes, okay. So for some gray lore, I also was extremely into Maximum Ride specifically because of Marcy. Thank you very much. But I was more into writing the fan fiction because, you know, I'm a writer. Anyway. And I will sometimes still get comments on fix for Maximum Ride that I abandoned in 2011. Do you want to hear something embarrassing about me? Please. 
Um, I got an email notification, I kid you not, six months ago about a are you ready for it soul eater fan fiction i followed when i was like 14 and you weren't even that into soul eater i wasn't but i was really into soul eater fan fiction because i was very unsatisfied by the anime anyway that is true i read it i went back and i said you updated this a thousand years later let's see what you added and what did they add (laughs) just another chapter so good news no explanation good news I just logged into my fanfiction account. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the the laugh cut out. <gasps> Please let me look at my published writing. If you don't let me look at what I've published, fanfiction.net, I'm going to scream. Please let me look at what I've published. Please, please. Manage stories. <gasps> oh my God, it's a Percy Jackson fanfiction. Oh it's 10 God. chapters long. Oh my God. It, it says called? discontinued in Tell the... us the title. Oh, I can't Tell us the title. find it. I can't. I can't do this. <sighs> I'll tell you the first half of the title. No, tell me the title and I'll bleep it out just so I can know. Just so you can know? Yeah, just for me. You promise? I promise. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, someone else left a, a, a review that just says RAR. Spelled R-A-W-R? Yes, all caps. Okay, I found my other fanfiction account because I had 600 of them. And it's important to me that you know that I had a 67,000 word fan fiction that I abandoned um, in 2012 at 19 chapters um, right when it was getting to the good stuff. Gaining steam. When Not, not even steam. <gasps> so, I'm sorry. I just went to the reviews and there's one from April 17th, 2019 on this. <gasps> Within a year. Yes. The review says, loved it, comma, they should meet Ari. <laughs> I just really, really like that. Uh, so many of these are people being like, can you please, can you please update this, please, please? And, I'm, and it's never going to happen, guys. How many pages is 67,000 words? Um, good question. Well, for context, a 67,000 word, for context, love, or Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda is, I think, 65,000 words. So you're telling me you wrote a full-length novel for a fan fiction just abandoned And it was way. not anywhere near done. I was just getting to the halfway point when I abandoned it, Yes. Yes. That was the beauty of fan fiction. It was kind of like, I feel like what happened, we recreated the same thing that happened in like the 1800s with like serial installments of novels. You know what I mean? You, you Where get like paid per penny or whatever. Dra- or yeah, exactly. You get, you get paid like a penny per page or something stupid. Right. And except you're not getting paid, but because people are reading it in tiny chunks spanned over weeks, you can make things last as long as you want because you totally lose your concept of time and pacing when you're reading it in that small chunks. So you could just like drag on one of it for, I kid you not, like 40 chapters. and Everyone would be like, cool, thanks, give us more. Do you ever think that's why, like, you, you know when you read old books and you're like, man, this is going on for so long. You think maybe that's part of why? Is case Literally, that's like, why. I that's guess. actually why. I love that have you read anything before the 20th century it's gibberish (laughs) half the time because they just had to put words on page i get it i'm not saying i would do that like right now but i get it and i guess i have done that actually so no i would do that i what i'm getting at is that i'm a pre-20th century writer suffering from tuberculosis I just actually you're suffering from tuberculosis i'm the one suffering from tuberculosis yeah i couldn't get through the word Anyway, um, that was most of what I had planned for the segment. I just sort of wanted to talk about love triangles because it's so integral to the thing that we're reading. And I thought it was um, important to give some, some yeah, sort no, of I thought it was good. interesting stuff about it. 
But yeah, this has been Trip Watch Mini, soon to be renamed something else. <laughs> you need a new name. It's lazy to keep Trip Watch, but it's even more lazy not to change the name. I know. I just, I use all my creative juice for like playing The Sims, not even for my writing, just like playing The Sims. And then I don't have any left for thinking up names of segments. And it's really I sad. can't tell you how many times i can't tell you how many times because there's a finite number of times i've been asked this question but (laughs) (laughs) over the past several months there have been several times where i have been asked by a person who decides much of my future how do you balance your time and like what do you do for fun and i have to physically restrain myself from saying i play the sims for six hours at a time once a week to get rid of all my stress in one go what do you think would happen if one day you just said that like like not at one, maybe <laughs> not at, not in an interview where you really, really want to get into the school. Not at like Harvard or whatever. Um, but like like a place that's you're like, I'm probably gonna get in. They seem to really like me, and I don't really love this campus, so it's not a huge deal if I don't go to this one. And you were just like, just completely honest, and we're just like, yeah, I play I play The Sims for six hours straight, and if it really helps. Honestly, there's one school where that is the situation where I feel very confident that I could get in, and I really don't want to go there. Um. The interview, though, is really late in the season, um, so mm, I canceled I it. I withdrew. I said I'm not mm. going because I would have to, like, fly there, and it's, like, by then I should know about other schools, and so there's, like, no point. There's no point. Um, but <laughs> if that interview had been earlier in the season and I knew I could just kind of fudge it, that would have been a really fun experiment, and I'm sad I won't get that chance now. I am, too. You know what I'm not sad about, though? What? <laughs> for all of, for all of you listeners, you won't get to hear it, but there was just an extremely long pause that meant that Marcy was coughing. Anyway, I'm I'm not sad about um the part of the episode where we um review the book that we read. Yeah. So uh let's let's talk about it. Um first off, I will say I chose this book in a frantic okay. We posted the last episode a day late, not a day late, a week late. Um Foolish a week and a, a week and a day late. It was supposed to only be a week late because I was editing it before I had to leave for work. And so I was frantically trying to finish it before I left for work. And then I realized I had to pick the book because we hadn't actually picked in the episode. So I just went through my to read thing and picked the best thing I could find out of the stuff I'd said in the past that I wanted to read. Um, And this is the result of that. Um, So the theme this week month whatever we are on um is books that have real people on the cover but like they shouldn't have real people on the cover i want to preface this with saying i believe all books that are not biographies or memoirs should not have real people on the cover and i believe that the further that book is from reality the less it should have a real person on the cover (laughs) full stop end of sentence there's no arguing I like this manifesto. Keep going. So with that in mind, that means the book that should have a real person on the cover the least is a fantasy because fantasy would be like the farthest removed from reality, right? Um, Let's talk about it. Becoming by Michelle Obama. Great that it has a real person, Michelle Obama, on the cover. Perfect. You want to read a biography of George Washington? Great. It can have George Washington on the cover. I want to read about a stupid knight and all of the things he gets into in some made-up fantasy world with a dragon. If there is a real person on the cover, I am mad. You have now angered me. You and have made a mistake. 
this is I feel strongly about this. What are your thoughts, Gray? Um, I think there's a way to do it tastefully. I think most often it is not done tastefully. For example, Full Disclosure by Cameron Garrett, which is a recent book, has a real person on the cover, and it looks wonderful. However, <laughs> the cover for the one we read this week, in my opinion, not so ideal. And that's okay, because covers don't necessarily mean that the book is bad. But I agree that this book's cover would be better if it were um, not a real human being. I just looked up Full Disclosure by Cameron Garrett. I agree. That cover is beautiful. Right? But, like you said, it's tasteful. I think if you're going to have like a real human being on the cover, it has to be like it, it has to be a less is more situation. Right? Right. Which is what the Full Disclosure cover is. This book, I haven't even said the book name. It's The Kiss of Deception by Mary E. Pearson. What um, a name. This name. Um, this cover and all of the covers that come after it in the series also are all more is more, which is not how I function as a person. So That's fair. You know what? All that being said, all of that to bash the cover, let's read what the book was about. All right. In a society steeped in tradition, Princess Leah's life follows a preordained course. As first daughter, she's expected to have the revered gift of sight, but she doesn't, and she knows her parents are perpetrating a sham when they arrange her marriage to secure an alliance with a neighboring kingdom to a prince she has never met. On the morning of her wedding, Leah flees to a distant village. She settles into a new life, hopeful when two mysterious and handsome strangers arrive, and unaware that one is the jilted prince and the other an assassin sent to kill her. Deception abounds, and Leah finds herself on the brink of unlocking perilous secrets, even as she finds herself falling in love. And that is The Kiss of Deception by Mary E. Pearson. So this book is, I believe, miles outside of anything you'd pick for yourself. Absolutely. That is partially why I picked it. Yeah, that was on me because I did say I wanted to read outside of what I normally read. And so then when you yeah. were like, here's this thing you wouldn't normally read, I was like, no, now hold on a minute. <laughs> Except I definitely asked for it. So there's no way for me to be mad. I will say that this book is um, the epitome of a guilty pleasure book for me. This is the kind of book that there's a chance um, if I was feeling maybe a little more down about myself, I would not mark as read on Goodreads because I feel that it might reflect badly on me. Oh, no. But <laughs> instead, we're reading it and discussing it publicly. So we're kind of facing my fears a little bit with this. Um, this book, at least, okay, full disclosure, I'm halfway through the third book now. I I went on Goodreads to like put that I had read the book and I was like, oh, Marcy's, <laughs> Marcy's already reading the rest of the series. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. <laughs> this book is just, <laughs> it is the reality television of books. And I mean that in the best way. Don't, Mary E. Pearson, do not take this as an insult because it's still a book, okay? It's not... You, let's what'd you put for enjoyability i can't talk today oh um here's the bad part about it i put it too Aww. here's the thing and he and, and you might be able to talk me up because here's the thing i just fundamentally do not like this kind of book but so i don't know how much of that i should reflect in my rating because it's not for me you know yeah and so, you weren't thought of in during yeah. the conception of this book so I'm kind of struggling if I should just put it as a three because ultimately, if it is what you like, I think it hits the boxes. 
But at the same time, I don't want to be dishonest because I didn't like it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of struggling with what to rate it. So you might be able to sway some of my opinions as we okay. get to talking. Well, I gave it a four. <laughs> All right. That'll <laughs> become a solid three. I'm sorry for my horrific cough laughing that keeps happening. Um, I give it a four. Um, here's the thing. If you like books about girls running away from destiny, you'll like this book. If you like books with love triangles in which the full identity of all entities is not fully known, you'll like this book. Um, if you like boys with jilted backstories, you'll like this book. Um, if you like lovable side characters who are very sweet, you will also enjoy this book. Um, I can speak also to the series as a whole. <laughs> so, um, at least with the exclusion of the last half of the last book, which based on the direction I think it's going, I don't think is going to rock my world. There's kind of two direc- directions it could go. It's a love triangle. And I don't think either of those directions is going to f- really change my um, rating that much. So my question for you, Gray. I went back and looked at the post that I made where I rated the romances that I read for um, the Paranormal Romance episode, mm-hmm. and I gave it, the series as a whole, a separate romance rating because I believe that romances have a separate standard by which they're judged from other books. Like, if you put this book up next to The Immortalist, what the heck? That's, that is yeah. oranges and apples. They are not. That, the no, same that's color. not even oranges and apples. That's like oranges and olives. You know, <laughs> that's oranges and olives. <laughs> they're not trying to do the same thing. They're not on the same caliber of media. Like they're not. They don't have the same goals. None of it's the same, right? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so my question to you: I gave it my normal rating. I also gave it a romance rating. Would you like me to just at the end share my romance rating with you, or do it at the front, or what do you want? Um. Hmm. Maybe do it at the end as a little. It's a little closer for it because I do agree with that. I think I think it is a little silly to rate it on the same scale as literally the Immortalists, which is again why I'm struggling with my rating and will probably be changing my stuff as we talk, either up yeah. or down. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I just I do think that with anything, the intention of the book needs to be taken into account. You know, um, so all that to be said, I gave it a four. Um, I really enjoyed this first book. I thought it was fun. I liked the boys. Does there need to be more? No, that's fair. Yeah, that's. I'm. I just thought it was fun. That's really all. Kind of the ending, though. Things became less fun. Interesting. Why? I will say. Um. Without spoilers, why? Um. There is a death of someone. Yes, there is. And it yes. is sad. Yes. And it's kind of weird because the book, this book kind of takes a turn. I don't know if you agree with this. This, so for balance, I'll, it just it goes to balance. I'll just say it. I give balance a two because this book is distinctly two different parts, right? There's an act one and an act two to this book. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the beginning of act one is very much Disney princess. And I actually was like, I don't know about this. Cause it was a little like, we've, we've heard this song before. Like, I don't think this is adding anything new. Like I get it. You're 17. You can't tell me what to do, dad. And I'm going to run away from home and live With this my little life. My friend, little maid. <laughs> yeah. My friend, little and maid. Sure. I can't speak today. These mysterious boys will fall in love with me. And oh no, what do I do? Which one do I pick? They both like me. 
Um, and then the second half of the book is like, oh, oh, some stuff is happening. Oh, no. People were not who we thought they were. There's a big trek. There's a big journey. Um, and it's just like a really kind of sudden switch between the two. So I gave Balance a two because it just felt really disjointed between the two. I agree with that. Definitely. There was a lot happening in the last like two chapters also when there had just been chapters and chapters of just like her doing laundry and like yeah, work, like working we, as a waitress. If it had been split into thirds, it would have been better, I think. I don't, I don't think it needed to be 50-50. I think it should have been first third is quaint little village life back two thirds, the real stuff, you know? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a fair critique. Um, what did you give it for balance? Oh, I also gave it a two, so we agree on that one. That doesn't surprise me. I think that one's a little bit more objective. It's kind of just you look at it and you go, eh, that book wasn't made really homogeneously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so for expectations, I actually gave it a 3.5. Um, for reference, I get a lot of recommendations on Goodreads for pretty crappy fantasy romance series. Um, and I feel that I have gotten somewhat good at being able to sift through it and find the little hidden gems in all of the mediocrity that there is in that genre. Um, this is one of the books that I actually was suggested to me by Goodreads to read for the Paranormal Romance episode. And I sifted through it and I said, this looks good. Um, I like what I see. The reviews seem to kind of be in the direction I want them to be. Um, but obviously it's not a paranormal romance, like, at all. Um, that being said, I had moderate expectations for this book, and I felt that they were slightly exceeded. Therefore, a 3.5. I was not expecting it to be the best thing I ever read. I was expecting it to be a fantasy romance, and I was expecting it to be a good time, and for there to be a couple steamy kissing scenes, and I felt that I got a little more than that, and I'm happy with it. That's fair. I gave it just a 3. I feel like I got what I was expecting after I did a little sleuthing um just like reading some of the reviews and stuff because I like to do that just to see just to feel out the playing field um and I felt like it meant what I was anticipating both of what my reaction to it would be and also what the book itself would be so I would like to say that one of the like top comment things on Goodreads if you look at this book is from five years ago this book was not this was published in 2014 yep. um but it's from five years ago, and it goes with no punctuation. Yes, it's a great book, but if you love epic fantasy, please read Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Mass. Best book ever, full of magic. And <laughs> What? I would just like to say, do not read Thro Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Mass. Um, if you read this book and you find it to be kind of the lowest tier of palatable writing, do not stoop to the mass level, please. Oh, my um, God. I have feelings about Sarah J. Mass you know this about me i'm not gonna stoke the fire um this you is could. better than that this is better this is better i stand by it. it's better from a writing standpoint it's a more interesting concept the love interests are better um the way it pans out over the course of the three books is better just ignore that five-year-old comment on the goodreads page if that was if that was something that you're really gonna be swayed by i will say also that the thing that i did genuinely enjoy about the book was that this book has an interesting mechanic where it is written in a way that where you cannot really tell for most of the book which of the guys is which of the guys. Like, you don't know. I loved that. I loved yeah. that twist. When they revealed who was who. Ooh. 
My thing, though, I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was very ambitious, and I thought it was very unique because you don't usually have like one, like you literally don't know who they are. I feel like um, not in the sense where like because the way it's written is you get the love interest points of views, but you don't. Um, she doesn't know who was who, uh, which is interesting. However, I didn't feel super surprised. Maybe I was just good at guessing, but I felt like pretty confident the entire time that I knew who was who and I was right about it. So maybe I just got lucky and guessed right because most of the, the like reviews were like I was so shocked, like I kept thinking it was this one and then it would be this one, but I didn't feel like that. So maybe See, I'm the outlier I was most here. of the reviews. Okay. So I guess I was the outlier. outlier. Yeah. I don't know. I think I also was just leaning into tropes because I I kind of I think she played us with that. I think she thought we were going to lean into tropes, so she flipped it. Um, And so then if you weren't leaning into tropes, like you haven't read 18 books almost exactly like this in the past year, it probably was easier to spot. That's fair. Yeah, because I'm coming in this without any knowledge of other books of the same um, genre and without its peers, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, The other thing I will say about expectations um. I think if you zoom out and you look at the series on a macro level, I would give expectations like a four or 4.5. Um, That's pretty high. This, yeah, I know. It's, yeah, it kind of shocked me. So this book, The Kiss of Deception, the names are all trash. I just want to throw that out there. Trash names name. across the board. Um, but so The Kiss of Deception, like I said, the first half of the book is very Disney princess, right? Like it's very cliche you've heard it before um that is an intentional thing she does to show character growth later in the series and as a point of comparison later in the series um that i thought was actually kind of artful once you get down the line and stuff a lot a lot of stuff happens um she also expands the world really beautifully later on (coughs) and like I don't know. I just enjoy some world building. I think that's fun. Um, there's like a lot of other things that happen that are like surprising. Like there's a lot more um, two-faced characters that you weren't really expecting to be two-faced. And um, somehow the love triangle, I don't think this is a spoiler, the love triangle gets dragged out like forever. Um, so if you're into that, it, it goes on for a while. I read the, um, hey, did you know there's a Wikipedia dedicated just to this series and that it's Buck Wild? Because I found it on accident. And no. they Great. refer to the writer as Her Majesty the Queen the entire time, which is then shortened to HMTQ. It's really weird. Anyway, that's not a reflection I, of the I want series. you to know that in my delirious state, I was trying to find this Wikipedia page. Do you know what I typed in? Please tell me. Do you know what I typed in? I typed in Wikipedia. <laughs> 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 i like that i liked that one that one so that's different. really fun um writing style oh yeah we're you still give doing... it? um i <laughs> gave it a 3.5 i thought the writing was pretty good um i gave it a three i kind of agree with you i thought it was just pretty good like it wasn't bad it wasn't like yeah stellar um she did that thing that is typical of this like fantasy romance romance genre where you sometimes write things a little bit more complicated than you otherwise would because you feel like it goes with the the setting. Do you know what I mean? Like, instead of saying, like, I had a thought, you'd say, I had a mere thought. Or, like, do you know what I'm talking about? Where you add in adjectives that you don't need because it sounds Mm -hmm. fancy. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I probably would have given her a 3.5 or a 4. That does get on my nerves. It's a problem I have with a lot of authors. It's not just her. It's definitely a preference thing. Um, Outside of that, though, I thought her writing was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I fully, so (laughs) around every chapter, like before slash after every chapter, she has, um, or is it just, I think it's just, maybe it's just point of view changes. I can't remember now. I don't remember either, TBH. She has a excerpt from the mythology of the world that this takes place in. There's like sacred texts in this world, and she has like a quote that is part of a passage from the sacred text of this world. Um, I know she puts so much effort into making those and they probably, if you like read them, there's a lot of foreshadowing and there's probably like a lot to them, but I skipped them every time. <gasps> I'm so glad that it wasn't just me. Cause I found them completely just, I didn't, I, I listened to the audiobook as I think you did as well. And I just would zone out entirely. I'd be playing Sims listening to this and I'd be like, well, my Sims is more interesting right now. Goodbye. And just not. I couldn't tell you what any of them said because I wasn't paying attention. So yeah, I so much effort went into making those, and like I get that they're important to the plot, like especially later. And I know that there was so much thought in them, and they did nothing for me. They didn't yeah. add anything. Yeah, it's kind of sad. It's sad to see it. Um, I'm sure someone's gotten a lot out of those. That someone's not me. I won't even read like poetry that's interspersed in books, like. It's really? hard to get me to read stuff like that. Yeah, I just, I don't know. You're very like, if it's not literally the book, I don't care. Yeah, I just, it has to be really integral from to catch my attention if it's not like the book book. So, I don't know. Um, memorability, I gave it a three. Uh, while I enjoyed it a lot, I think that I'm binging it over the course of about five days. Um, and I think I'm going to think about it a lot for the next six days after I'm done binging it. And then I think I'm going to forget about it for the most part, except I'm going to be able to look at the cover and I'm going to think I enjoyed it. There's a love triangle. Um, and that's going to be it. And that's a three for me. I gave it a 2.5 because um, I don't remember most of it already. And I read it like I finished it like two or three days ago. And I do that with a lot of books. But like I I... I I, mean, I will remember the title specifically because I originally thought it was The Kiss Deception, not Of Deception. And when I learned that it was The Kiss Of Deception, somehow that was a worse title to me. I agree so. with that. The Kiss Deception is a better title than The Kiss Of Deception. <laughs> I will remember that for sure. And I will remember the Wikipedia page because it is literally insane. So Okay, so I'm actually changing my believability as we're speaking. So this happens so much where we're talking and I realize something new. Um, believability. Given it a solid 2.5, I thought that it was, for the most part, believable. Um, but there were certain things where I was like that it either worked out too well or went too wrong. Um, and I think it just kind of ended up evening out to a 2.5. Um, I don't know. The beginning is so, like I said, I've said 18 times the beginning is so Disney princess that it kind of took away some of the believability for me and obviously the beginning like the part where she's living in this little town and she's like run from her royal family and she's like working at an inn that whole part worked out like too well for me um and was like too cute and quaint which I guess like maybe doesn't matter because in the end she ends up being captured by someone and they end up trekking her like across the country and it's like a really taxing and difficult time and she's like a prisoner and stuff I don't know. 
Um, I also just kind of felt like her feelings for one of the love interests was a little Stockholm syndrome-y, at least in the first book. Um, I changed my mind about that later. Spoiler. Um, <gasps> Spoiler. But <laughs> I don't know. There's just like a piece missing in terms of this whole thing really panning out for me. Um, it is fantasy. So obviously some stuff is going to be a little far-fetched. That's like part of the territory. I understand. Um, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at. It's just like a little bit too good to be true at certain points. Yeah, I also gave it a 2.5. I just, I also felt, along with agreeing with all of those things, I also felt like some of the motiv- the characters' motivations weren't like believable enough. Like with the um, the prince, his thing and his point of view is he's, she, she was ran away because she was going to have to marry him. And he's like upset about it. And I didn't really understand beyond that exactly why he was so ready to just like track her down or like why he wanted to try to find her because he also seemed to not be interested in this arranged marriage so to me it was kind of like if you didn't want to marry her at all why are you looking for her but um take that with a grain of salt in that um i spaced out a lot while listening to the audiobook so perhaps that was explained and i wasn't listening so. No, it was basically just dude ego that was just like oh, okay. I don't know. I thought it was really like intriguing. I was I was intrigued about the fact that she like would thumb her nose. They say several times um, at two kingdoms just to do what she wanted, and he wanted to see what kind of girl would do that. And then he was also angry, and so he was all angry, and he, he was, was also angry. intrigued. So he went, and then I think his man ego got in the way, and he couldn't like turn around empty handed. So. I guess I just wish there had been a little bit more of that, you know, that or not yeah, of not, that specifically, but of an explanation. It's not ultra compelling. I agree. Yeah. Not that that's the biggest like issue. Yeah, um, I get the assassin more. He like mm-hmm. is like, I'm going to kill you. And then he meets her and he's like, oh, no, I like her. He's more compelling to me in terms of character motivation. I think I don't think I like him more, but I do think he was more interesting for me to read. Um just, yeah, he's got more going on. Yeah, if only because he has more complexity going on. wise. Yeah. Um. Overall, I gave it a two point nine one. Let me do how my do calculation because I'm oh, stupid. Oh, well, not how you feel, but how's your calculation? It. Let me do it real quick. Dun 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 dun. This is my I forgot to do the calculation song before recording. Man, there's a lot of twos. Oof. My final is two point five eight. So, not a great that, score. That brings our average to 2.745, which I feel like feels right in the lineup of stuff. Um, now, Marcy, I'm going to tell you. Oh, yes. Um, before I get into the romance score I gave it, because my romance score is different, I found myself on the remnantchronicles.fandom.com. Yes. 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 And there is a yes. beautiful thing that I need to share with you. Oh, please do. I want to preface this with the book was published in 2014. I want you to go back to where you were in 2014, what was popular in 2014. Where you were Um, in your life. And I want to ask you why the first two songs in the Kiss of Deception playlist, which exists for some reason, are by Evanescence. (gasps) That's the best thing you could have told me. 
Oh my god. The first two songs in, let me pull it up on Spotify. Are they My Immortal? Chronicles, Dash, The Kiss of Deception, Mary E. Pearson's playlist for The Kiss of Deception, created by, are you ready for the username? Oh no. Roth, Rafe, whatever his name is. It's a character name. Um, 13 songs, one hour, seven minutes, 77 followers. The oh first God. song is My Immortal. By <gasps> yes, I was right. Yes, yes, yes. Oh That's the best news you could have given me. I'm so sad I didn't find this on my own, but that's okay because we're discovering it now together and it's a bonding moment. That, now, hold on a minute. Did Mary E. Pearson make this playlist? Like, did she say that these are the songs she listened to and then someone compiled I them? I hope not. I hope God so, actually. Bless us all. <laughs> I hope not. Now, you said there were two Evanescent songs on this, correct? Yeah. So the first one is My Immortal, and the second one is Breathe No More B side version, which I've never heard before. Um, they were all I, added. I oh, are you so. ready for when they were added? The book is published in 2014. Oh, Do you know no. when this, this makes it worse? Do you know when this playlist was made? When? 2017. <gasps> How did I know that was when it was going to be? How did my brain know? Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's really it's sad. Now, was one of the other... I don't recognize, like, books. anyone else on this playlist, Oop. but that's fine. Oopsie. Anyway, what? <laughs> was one of... Was the last book or whatever published in 2017? Is that perhaps why this playlist was curated so late? Please hold. I'm doing research. <laughs> okay. Sorry. This page included a video ad that played automatically. Um, that's extremely good. The name of the book, first of all, is The Beauty of Darkness. Um, oh, what does that mean? I don't know. It doesn't. <laughs> I've, I'm halfway through the book and I can't tell you what it oh. means. <laughs> That's fair. Um, she mentions darkness at the very beginning, and I guess that has to do with is it. Is it beautiful? Um, but it was, no. Oh. It was published in 2016. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, th- these are almost better. Um, this playlist starts off with Let It Go by James Bay. Oh. And then it's Say Something. Of course. And then I Won't Give Up by Jason Mraz. Of course. Um, And then we've got a, a song called War and a song called Legions. Open parentheses, war, close parentheses. <laughs> um, wow. This is rough. <laughs> this is extremely good, actually. <laughs> this one only had 20 followers. Aww. But this one does this one does specify unofficial in the title. So Which makes me think the other one is official. Eh, I don't know. Oh, I'm seeing the HMTQ Her Majesty the yes, Queen. Yes, yes. It's just important to me that okay. you know that they do that. And yeah. that they can cool. Do you ever think about Are they how... referring to Mary E. Pearson yes. with that? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's bizarre. Um, you, ever, you ever think about how people have like names that they call authors in like fandom situations? What was it people really were called? James Patterson. There was like a thing people oh, would call him. I don't know. All I know night. is Uncle Rick. Uncle Rick, but that's that one's that one's okay with me because he's like, oh, that's your uncle. Yeah, that one's fine. That one's not like, why are we worshiping her? You know what I mean? Her Majesty yeah. the Queen. What I also like about that one is that that's just sort of any fantasy world has queens. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not specific to the series. Anyway, I can't think too much about the Remnant Chronicles Wikipedia page fan wikipedia page because i think i will go crazy but overall we gave it what a, a 2.7 in total yeah 2.745 
four five. Now hit me with that romance so. rating. It's important okay, that I so know. Okay, so separate romance rating is taking into account the things I look for in a romance and the things that I think romances are judged by separately from like the rest of literature because I do think they are different. So first thing, most important thing of the romance, and I'm judging this on the series as I've read it so far, which is almost finishing it. And I don't see myself changing these really. If I do, I'll put an update on the blog post. Um, so the first and most important aspect of a romance book is the romance itself and i gave the romance aspect a 4.5 because nice with the caveat you have to like love triangles if you don't like a love triangle just don't this isn't for you like it's just not it's not going to do it for you you're going to be frustrated leave it alone that's okay you know we all have our things different different what's the word what's the phrase i'm looking for the idiom for we like Um, different stuff oh my god Literally every idiom I've ever known just exited my brain <laughs> at once. The only one that I can think of is don't yuck on my yums. And I oh hate my God, that phrase. I was thinking about that one, but I also hate that phrase. It's disgusting. I it's will yuck good. on that yum. It is horrific. Um, <coughs> I did give this series a 4.5 for romance. Um, there is tension. You like really don't know. Here's what I like out of Love Triangle. I like when she doesn't know who she wants to end up with. And I like when I don't know who I want her to end up with. I like us both to be in the dark until the very end. (laughs) That's like best case scenario to me is the whole time you're sitting there like, but he seems kind of cool. And then you go with the next guy and you're like, but we like this one. And then the next time you're like, I don't like that one. And then you're like, but I don't like that one. And that's what I want is I want that back and forth. So (laughs) you get that. that. Um, And then the times when you do like who she's with, you're like, hmm. Yes, this is good. And I just enjoyed it a lot. I, mm, this is a chef's kiss in terms of that factor. Um, so that's a good start. That's really, this should be a weighted score the way I do this. It should be weighted and that should be weighted heavier than everything else. But that's a lot of math for me right now. So I'm not going to do that. Um, <clears throat> the next part of a romance is the pacing. The pacing is an integral part, right? to the romance because it is key you have to know i think when you're going into a book what kind of pacing you can expect because your expectations change everything about the pacing of a romance and i think going into this when you see in that synopsis in goodreads that there are two dudes and they are both handsome you those are your indicators right those are our buzzwords that are going to say this is a love triangle and you look to the side of goodreads and you see there's two more books you're going to context clue your way into knowing that love triangle is going to last three books, right? Am I am I making too many assumptions here? No, I, th- I think that's fair. Okay. I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying that. I think if you look at the page, anyone who has ever read <laughs> anything in this genre before is going to get that. <coughs> that being said, it does that. Um, and I felt that it did it well. So I gave it a 3.5. Like, with the three being good, I thought it did it a little better than good because... Where I am in the last book right now, I have finally decided which one I want her to be with, and I feel that I'm deciding it at an appropriate moment, and that takes a little bit of finessing to do that I think is a little a little expertly done. So thank you, Mary E. Pearson. You get an extra half point for the final decision in my mind. Um, <laughs> the next thing is obviously plot. So uh, the first book isn't super plot driven. It's really romance driven, right? Yes. <laughs> extremely even when it becomes more plot driven it's still mostly romance driven um the next 
two books are a lot more plot driven. Um, and I was actually pretty impressed with them. She like really fleshes out this mythology and lore that you're introduced to in the first book. Um, and it becomes a lot more interesting. And the whole thing with like um, this Vinden, the like rival country, whatever, um, their culture and the oppression that they've been through, she really fleshes out. And like the history between the kingdoms and like Leah's role in the middle of all that and like the way that their interpersonal relationships are affecting it all. Um, so I thought she actually did a really good job with that and that it became a lot more plot driven later on. So I actually gave a plot of four, which is all of these have been higher than our normal book ratings so far, which is kind of part of the point, I think. Yeah. Um, and then guilt factor, the final part of the romance. This is the je ne sais quoi of a romance. This is like you want to be a little embarrassed by it. <laughs> You're not having fun. If you're not a little embarrassed by it. <laughs> if you're not like a little bit like, maybe I shouldn't add this to my Goodreads read. Yeah. If you don't hesitate before clicking red on Goodreads, either you've gone too far and your shame is gone, or it wasn't a good enough romance. And this got a guilt factor of four. <laughs> Noise. A lot of it comes down to the really crappy cover and title. Um... I would feel embarrassed reading this book on public transit. That's like my litmus test for guilt factor is if I had a physical copy of the book in my hand, would I read on the Metro on the way to work in a way that covered the title and cover of the book? If you would be, if you would hesitate before telling someone what you're reading. Yes. yes. Like I had an interview today in which they asked, what are your hobbies? And I said, reading. And they asked, oh, what are you reading? I did not say this book. <laughs> <laughs> now, what did you say? I need to know. Um, I said some science book that I'm kind of working on in the background. <laughs> oh, you lied. Um, That's okay. Well, I am reading it just very slowly. <laughs> um, I'm just making it stretch out the whole interview season so that I can't just keep <laughs> saying that one book. No, that's not true. Um, I didn't lie. I promise. <laughs> um, but the guilt factor of this is a four. You probably could have figured that out just by reading the Goodreads synopsis. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the like, I think you could have pegged that. And I think Seeing it. So, yeah. It's just kind of the all of it. Um, the name. Also, the concept. The, like, runaway princess meets two handsome strangers, and they both have, like, seedy backstories. And, like, one of them was supposed to be her betrothed, you know? And the other one sent to kill her. That's, like, very much up the guilt factor alley. Like, the guilt factor is increased by cliche um and i think this especially in the beginning later on in the series maybe not as much there's still some pretty cliche things going on but all that being said guilt factors a four which brings my final rating to a four pretty so good pretty good romance rating my regular book rating is a 2.91 so it's called it a three it gets a whole extra it goes from being good to like pretty good when you look at it from the romance perspective so that's a, yeah. that's a sizable jump yeah that is that's a that's a whole number jump but that was what was this book even called the kiss of deception by mary e pearson or her majesty um, the queen if you're the remnant chronicles <laughs> her majesty the queen hmtq gray what book did you pick for us for our books that have a real person on the cover but like they really shouldn't have a real person on the cover theme for next week i picked or yeah next next episode I picked You Must Not Miss by Katrina Lino. 
which is another YA book, but not contemporary this time. This time it's um like magical realism and it seems pretty interesting. I cheated a little bit because the cover is not nearly as bad, I would say, in terms of the real person on it as this book. I still don't, I don't love it. I, I think, I think there are probably other editions with, with different colors, C- colors, sure, covers that I would prefer more, but, um, so it kind of, it fits, but I'm technically Is the cover slightly. you're talking about, like, pink with a girl looking yes. at, looking out, and then this, like, the faint yeah, there's impression the weird... of the girl, like, yelling? Yeah. Because that's pretty cringy. Yeah, it's, because if you just, because the thing is, if you look at it and it's just the girl, you're kind of like, okay, whatever. And then you see the little faint ghost of her, and it's like, what is happening? But it looks really interesting, and um, I already have it checked out from the library, and I'm excited to read it. Uh, what's that kind of about, briefly? Um, briefly, it is about revenge, and uh, when it goes too far. That was brief. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I try my best. Anyway, thanks well, for listening to our podcast, presumably. Yeah. If you're here, if you're listening to this. Um, you can find us. What else will what? I don't know what else you'd be doing if you made it this far and you weren't listening. Um that's a that is a good question. Not listening and sleeping, but leaving your Spotify on so that it um just keeps going to the next episode. Because I do that sometimes. But like with other podcasts. Anyway. I fell asleep while listening to a podcast the other day and I woke up and it was at the end of like like very briefly it was a nap. And I woke up at the end of it and I had no clue what was going on. It was very upsetting because it was like a narrative podcast, not like a they're just talking. And now my Spotify thinks that I have listened to it and it's messing me on everything up and my life's in shambles. So don't do what I did. Listen to the whole episode that we just put out, um, which you've already done. Anyways, you can find us on our website at bookinsiblings.com. You can find us on Twitter, also at bookinsiblings. Um, we will be putting up a blog post about this episode with the brief information about love triangles. If you're interested in looking at the article that I quoted from and the sources I used, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks for listening. Check out You Must Not Miss by Katrina Leno. Next, uh, next episode. We'll see you then. Thanks we'll for listening. Bye. Bye.